shot, who not? Tell me who rock, who sell out in the stores? You tell me who flop, who cop the blue drop? Welcome to Hollywood 2.0, this is Peter Katz. On today's show, I'm going to be talking to Jamie Wilkinson. He helped create the website Know Your Meme, and he's also the co-founder and CEO of VHX. It's a direct-to-fan video distribution platform. Everyone from celebrities like Aziz and Zari to indie filmmakers have used their service to sell their content. When you and your team started VHX, were you able to predict where the business would be today? Uh, no, we've been really shocked every uh, quarter when we sit down and sort of try to look at what, what's working, what's not working, um, and where to go from here. It's been uh, a pretty wild ride, uh, especially because we launched with Aziz Ansari's comedy special, which was you know, very high profile, a big hit. And from there it was, oh yeah, there must just be like you know, thousands of uh, huge celebrity comedians out there who are looking to do this, right? Um, and we realized the opportunity is a lot more kind of diverse than we expected, that uh, there's even more demand than we expected, a lot more interest. And uh, a lot of the, the problems that we run into are really just kind of an education gap around sort of general internet marketing and sort of just teaching sort of the film, TV worlds more about what fans are looking for online and what consumer behavior looks like online. Does it have to deal with the long tail effect? Uh, a little bit. A lot of it is also kind of just educating. Even like, you know, traditional film distributors aren't necessarily sort of focused around the internet as the primary way of, of marketing uh, a film. And that's sort of the area where we do the best. So that's where we always kind of encourage people to go. And really where we see, like I was saying, kind of the consumer behavior is heading that direction, even if it isn't completely there yet. Yeah. And I read about some documentary about uh, professional gamers that really blew up on your platform. Oh yeah, there might be State of Play. It might be another one actually. There's a we've had a bunch of really successful kind of video game related films, which um, I think makes sense just because that is a very like digitally savvy kind of audience, right? Yeah. So you see everything from the big stars like Aziz Azaria, which has over four million followers on Twitter, to maybe niche topics that could tap into a passionate uh, crowd. Absolutely. Yeah. And we saw that even uh, the, the second uh, release that we worked on was Indie Game the Movie, which was. Um, a big hit, but in contrast to Aziz, it was two first-time filmmakers from Canada who uh, were very plugged into the video game scene, but not necessarily into sort of like the traditional flow of what a film is supposed to do. And so even though they kind of premiered at Sundance and won the editing award at Sundance, they um, opted to go with something that would keep them kind of closer to the fans and the fan base that they had built so far. So uh, in the same way that Aziz was really interested in reaching all of his fans directly, his four million fans directly, uh, James and Lissant from Indiegame were reaching their, you know, curious about reaching their thousands of fans directly. And we saw the same principles work for both cases. And so that was really encouraging for us early on. So it's like the fans of like a topic and the fans of a personality. Yeah. And then I think there's even a lot of kind of untapped potential around the fans of genre, right? And around even like the concept of indie film or art house is very much like where are those people congregating? Where are they looking for content? Because it may not be directly like on the film's website, but an organization like Sundance, for instance, has an amazing kind of curatorial power in terms of being able to say, hey, here's a store we've set up where we're selling all this stuff that's come through the Sundance system because they know that audience really well. It's uh, interesting. It was back in the day, you'd walk into a Blockbuster and they would have the Sundance section and it would just be pointing right at you. This is the movies that you should rent. Does that there's a kind of voice of, uh, of good taste that she knows coming from Sundance. How do you connect with those uh, tastemakers online to uh, drive uh, conversions? Because sometimes, you know, the internet's so big, it's like, it's hard to navigate all those different options. Yeah, I think that's really like one of the challenges that we're trying to wrap our heads around too and sort of build more 
software solutions for. We talk about all the time sort of like looking at the market, looking at the way things are done and taking a lot of the very sort of high touch, high difficulty practices like, you know, finding somebody to help support your marketing efforts like a distributor or like Sundance. And then how do we do things like build that into a very high scale, easy, low touch process? And so, yeah, it's something we're still working around, but uh, discovery in general is one of the big problems that we're keen on tackling over the next couple months. I know Amazon's great at that because I buy a few things and then later I'm like, why don't I have any money left? And it's almost like, well, they keep going, hey, you've got this. What do you think about that? There's always, you can't like leave the site without like spending more money. Yeah, we just want to do that for movies and um, ideally in a more kind of organic, more social sort of way. But at the end of the day, the idea is really just to help people discover, find, buy, sell great stuff. I see with VHX, the power, it enables artists to be able to get the work out there. But in a lot of ways, there's like different like collectives of creators, but they could all have the same audience. And there's if they could work together to some degree, not maybe even through their own collaboration, but through technology, I think the, they might have created even a larger audience by the collaborative like uh, distribution. I couldn't agree more. I really think that that sort of uh, collaboration is is really the, like the right word for it. And how do we get? people promoting each other's work, right? Like you might come in, you might have made the most amazing film in the world, but you only have, you know, you have zero followers on Twitter, right? Like what are you gonna be doing to get the word out? And in the old system that meant uh, you need to, you know, take it to festivals and get somebody, get permission from a lot of people in order to get this out to audiences. But in the new paradigm of the web, there's really like so many people who could help you promote that. And it just becomes a question of how do I get in touch with them? How do I get this in front of them, right? How do I like send them a screener, send them a free copy so that they can check this out, fall in love with it, and then help me get the word out? Yeah, and I I think there's a collaboration, but on the other hand, it's also the filtering mechanism because um, I'm a big fan of Tim League's work as you know, starting the Alamo Drafthouse and the distribution chain. His uh, company distributed my brother's film, Cheap Thrills, and, oh, awesome. and you look at all these other cool movies, like A Band Called Death, there's like a, they don't, they're not exactly the same type of movie, but they're all good movies. Yeah, and know? I think that's exactly it. Yeah, and there's so many brands out there who aren't necessarily creating content directly, but who are voices of authority as far as what is cool and what is good. And it's super diverse online now, too. It's not just like the same, you know, five people. There's... You know, hundreds of thousands of outlets that could help you promote stuff and help you and help get the word out. Would it be possible to almost have like labels that were like under the VHX umbrella brand? That's that's what we're thinking a lot about. It's sort of that like curation component and uh, and what can we do to help surface content like that? Where I mean, in my dream world, I just follow Sundance and then I can log into VHX and I'm seeing stuff that they're recommending that I never would have found otherwise. That's the value of it. Whether or not it's like a press outlet was, you know, it's like you look at Pitchfork and, you know, they're able to break so many new artists over the years because they've just constantly had that steady output of, of you know, highlighting the new great artists out there. Yeah. And that's the internet model at work, right? Where Pitchfork was probably like a guy in their bedroom uh, just writing about music. And then, you know, lo and behold, years later, it becomes more important than Rolling Stone. What would you look at the amount of units uh, for a top seller on your platform? Yeah, we actually have this public stats page that you can visit, where it's vhx.tv stats that shows off all of our kind of platform-wide stats. And 
there we actually just broke four million dollars in gross sales and um, that's with hundreds of thousands of transactions and so with some of the biggest titles on our platform you know it's tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of transactions why were they so successful was we could look at factors of genre the social media as an indicator um, you know what are what are the ones that could help you predict that? Uh, a lot of the easy thing to look at is really just somebody's social media presence and how good a job they're doing marketing online. Because as a kind of like an internet sales platform, the more you are on the internet, the more successful you will be. And so yeah, it's exactly like what you're saying. Like either you are, you know, a personality or a brand like Draft House or Aziz Ansari or Kevin Spacey who have like a lot of audience already that they're mobilizing. But a lot of the other successes we've seen are really people who, like Indie Game, the movie, or a, like a YouTubers uh, uh, who are using the platform to sell, they've kind of built up that audience natively. Like it's not because they're on a TV show or they're famous sort of like in real life. It's something where they've, over years of distributing content for free on YouTube and, and on social media, they've, they've built up like their own audience. And then the other big category that we usually see well is like you were saying, sort of stuff that hits on specific genres. Like we've had a lot of video game related documentaries in particular on the platform. And that's, there is like a big internet audience of people who are really, really into video games who are more than happy to buy stuff. If you're making a movie about, you know, like an older population of people that may not be as strong. Um, there's some other kind of more tactical stuff too that we've seen work really consistently. Like the, 10 out of our top 10 releases um, were released worldwide simultaneously, like day and date essentially, where um, over 50% of the sales on VHX are outside North America. And so there's actually a huge international demand for all this stuff. So one of the things that we're always recommending people do is if you can, you know, release worldwide, like your audience is worldwide, you're, you know, generating interest worldwide, you should be making it available worldwide. Um, and then there's a lot of like tactical things that, that we've learned over the last couple of years that we're always recommending, like a, especially around deluxe editions, which um, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, when you're selling content, like before it's kind of hit streaming services, those are like your super fans who are delighted when you make bonus content available to them. And we've seen pretty consistent, you know, double digit percentages of sales are for deluxe editions and the margins are a lot better. So we're always recommending that people sell deluxe editions as well as our kind of like our, we have this pay what you want style feature where you can set a minimum. So you can say something is like $5 or more. And we find that, you know, a third or more of customers will opt to pay more, even if it's just a dollar. And so it's like, again, this is that idea of like small, you know, software, highly scalable software features that can help people make more money and make more sales. With the internet, you have that A and B testing, you have the ability to, you know, pivot um, and see what's working, what's not working. Do you feel that the filmmakers of tomorrow are going to benefit from the filmmakers that work with you today? Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of the huge uh, pitches for our investors and is really sort of the value of this sort of network level intelligence that we have, um, which we're always trying to recycle back into recommendations and pro tips for our filmmakers. So like with Deluxe Editions, that was something that just started out as an experiment, but which we built into kind of a really standard, easy to use uh, part of the process because it is so successful and people make so much more money. And it's the same thing with like the analytics and even sort of the stats that we have on our public stats page where, you know, we find that like YouTube is a really amazing conversion source and it doesn't generate as much traffic as Twitter and Facebook, but it generates higher quality traffic. And so we're starting to, you know, recommend that people uh, really build up like a YouTube presence where they're releasing clips from the film and trailers and teasers and excerpts and behind the scenes footage and using that as like treating that as a primary source for social media marketing. 
um, because we see the numbers working so well. And with all this information, do you see that the future film schools are going to have to teach self-distribution? I'm surprised they're not already, to be honest. Um, I actually used to teach in a uh, graduate uh, art and design program. It was, um, and I actually I taught an internet marketing class essentially for artists. And um, it was not part of the curriculum normally. It was thinking about marketing, thinking about branding, thinking about building an audience, engaging with an audience. But it's essentially, it's the most basic skill for people who make things online. You know, it's not just like, you can't just put it up on YouTube and expect views to come in. Like you can't just, you know, like set up a Twitter account and expect people to find you. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, best practices. There's a lot of pro tips around ways to use these platforms to sort of tap into the existing audiences. And a lot of that is just as simple as using all of this stuff and like and, and finding out what works for you as a consumer and then replicating that as a as a creator. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, trying to do the film festival dream, you know, you look at the nineties and these huge home runs, like movies selling for millions of dollars. But now it's not as uh, dramatic. Now there's a more of a plateau, it seems, at those markets. Yeah, yeah, it's been, I mean, I'm relatively new to sort of like inside baseball of film. Uh, my background's as a software developer, and so I've always come at this from very much like an internet angle. And learning about how sort of the system used to work 10 years ago, 20 years ago, versus like what we're seeing today is, is quite dramatic, you know. And um, I mean, I think very exciting, because even though it would be amazing to sell your film for millions of dollars, um, it's honestly, it's such a rush, like being part of the process and being in touch with your fans. And it's, it's a much harder, longer term thing. Like you can't just go to the festival and then a week later you've got a distributor. Um, it's something that it takes place over the course of years, but it's very fulfilling. And it's also sort of like the basis of a career instead of sort of just the basis of a single hit. Um, and you can't where, do, and you can't do that. I mean, you can't just do that. I mean, there's, there used to be these shingles from, uh, the studios, which were all catering to distributing those films with that indie voice, but now you're right, you have to take it into your own hands and not only just produce the film, but also budget the marketing and distribution of it. Yeah, and then even for the people who are still selling films to other people, like um, uh, the director of, uh, oh, it's escaping me now, uh, but the idea of like, you know, directors having a presence on Twitter even and just being interesting on Twitter and interacting with other people in the film business, like, you know, they're building an audience like that. And if they were to kind of make like, you know, uh, a YouTube series that they just published on the web directly to fans, they wouldn't be starting from scratch. You know, they have an audience that they can market it to. And that's, I, I think that that really does become like an essential skill for anybody who makes anything online. It's a freemium model. I mean, you look at software is the same way, given your background where you know, you give somebody the a sample, you know, they try it, you know, whether it's a service or it's content, and then if they like it, a certain, you know, segment's going to want to hop on and get the higher quality experience. Absolutely, yeah, and we see that kind of over and over again. We don't see the uh, that sort of like early transactional window going away. Like it's it's not just going to become like all movies are available for free on YouTube, but in a lot of ways, like, at some point, you should totally put your movie for free on YouTube and use it as marketing for your next movie. Exactly. Whether it's, you know, the web series. Well, you'll see a lot of uh, creators, they come from the web and they get a TV deal or, you know, from it, they get a film. And there's this kind of ecosystem of content that 
people are able to come from anywhere and start building out a business, whether or not it's ad supported or it's supported for selling movies or through uh, donations like Patreon. But there, it seems like there's going to be a lot more diverse voices. Yeah, and we're already seeing it happen where, um, you know, the film world doesn't talk a lot about what's going on in, in the YouTube space, but there's an incredible diversity of people making uh, videos, short form videos from those part, reaching tens of millions of people like every day. And I always wonder sort of how do we import a lot of the best practices for that and apply it to sort of the incredible amount of filmmaking talent that we see at places like Sundance, for instance. And, um, you know, like I always joke about having an exchange program where, you know, we'll swap like a YouTuber and like a professional filmmaker and put them in the same room together and be like, make something. And, uh, and I think that that's sort of like the, the skill set that we're always advocating for. And that's a, a very cool idea because on one end, the web creators are moving very fast. You know, they're like the indie filmmakers of today. And they're able to uh, do things, and there's no barrier to entry. So you could get a much younger, uh, you know, content creator. You could get people that don't have to mortgage their home to to tell their story. Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting to look at it just from a perspective of, like, with software development, where... We talk all the time about rapid prototyping and iterative development where the idea is always sort of like to put something out there, like just like a, a snippet, just like the, the minimum version of an idea. And you don't need to be too obsessed with the idea and with the, the specific execution of the idea because you're going to you know you're going to be trying lots of them. And so it's almost like, you know, making a short before you make a feature film, right? Or making like a super, super short before you even make the short. And seeing, like, is this funny at all? Is this good at all? If it has a five-minute thing. Because then we could expand that into a 30-minute thing, into a 90-minute thing. And you keep and building that, from that, you know? Yeah, and I think YouTubers have, have really, like, you know, in a lot of ways on accident, really embraced that model of production where if you're putting out, you know, a video every week, a video every day, you're getting a lot of feedback about what's working and what's not working. And you're able to respond to that feedback, whereas... If you're working on the same project for multiple years, you're just going to release it to the wild and you have no idea if it's going to work or not. So, I mean, it's even, you know, the way we built our app in terms of, uh, you know, you get real time feedback around what's selling and where that traffic is coming from. And the idea is that that helps you make better decisions. And I think that that applies to the marketing as much as it also applies to the content itself. And um, people are becoming more savvy around that, I think. You know, there's a lot of interest in, in genre and low budget productions because of stuff like that where you can test out an idea before you have to fully commit to it. Well, you have a feedback loop and on the YouTube and their culture is not built about selling out. Like it's a, the difference I could you look at it as a tech startup. There's some tech startups that they're like, let's build this and then let's sell it and let's get out of here. You know, and then there's other uh, founders that are like, no, we're going to be here for a very long time. And I think that the YouTube guys are not looking to move on to the next thing. They are that thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the idea of like you're building a career instead of just making one video, right? Yeah, and they have the authorial voice because they control the distribution. And marketing, in my opinion, is part of the creation itself. Absolutely, yeah. The person is is part of the project. And uh, yeah, there's something where, I mean, even the production companies behind so many films, like, you know, sure, they have kind of a bumper in front, but that's sort of the extent that they're attached to the project. And there's a lot of kind of fluidity of the brands that are involved with each individual project. Whereas I think there's a world where that's much, much stronger, you know, and, and, and that's even where the curators come in, where that's how you could have somebody attached to the project as sort of a, 
a quasi distributor is like, oh, the Nerdist is going to be presenting my film or the New York Times or BuzzFeed and having these sort of people attached to have the audience who have kind of the right crowd for what you're looking to do. And they're attached to the project in the way, in a very meaningful, deep sort of way. Exactly. And it's, it's a movement in the right direction. I interviewed this guy, Jay Jolie, from a company called Cineku, and he did this whole platform play where he had all these people submit a trailer for a movie. People voted on the platform, and also based on how engaged these uh, audience members were on uh, social networks, they could see which film was going to get funded. And the movie that got funded was completely random. It was called Wolf Cop. And that ended up getting a you know distribution theatrically in Canada. And then, what was so appealing about Wolf Cop in particular over like the other projects? Well, I think that one is absurd. And on the internet, as you know, I, you, yeah. I don't even tell you need a lecture about that. Know that there's a, there's anything that's weird. It's like a, it's like I don't know ramen burgers or anything that just comes out yeah. of the blue is going to be catchy. And then, so that's one reason because it could instantly land on Tumblr. And I think two. It's genre, you know, because you have that kind of like really campy horror film element to it. So you get those two elements and then it just like destroyed all the other competitors. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's almost like the the, the spectrum of what is successful is, is, is going heavier and heavier towards like the weird and the genre. I mean, the Internet, that's that's how I would pick what to do is like what is some crazy thing that people are into, I'm going to make something that's tangentially related to that. Um, whereas instead of trying to like design for the mass audience, right? Like you can go in exactly the opposite direction and say, I'm gonna make something that's as weird as possible that's meant for a very specific but very vocal group of people rather than being like, I'm gonna make a movie that works for everybody between the ages of six and 60. I know, they should do Brony Cop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so many Brony films right now, they're doing so well. Exactly. And now we're talking about the dis- dis- distributors as part of this ecosystem. Are they a competitor? Are they a collaborator? What do you consider them? Yeah, they're collaborators. They're users of the platform, too. And actually, we have um, awesome relationships with tons of distributors where uh, for them, uh, when they're acquiring films, I mean, they're the, really the ones who are coming in and in a lot of ways lending that marketing muscle that's so sorely needed. And if you're doing that via acquisitions, that's fine. If you're doing that for yourself because you're the filmmaker, that's fine, too. And um so yeah, we work with uh, Drafthouse Films really closely and Oscilloscope and with uh, FilmBuff and Gravitas and lots of other distributors where um, for them we become like a really valuable source of, of a way of reaching fans directly too who are like fans of these films which they could recommend them other films um, as well as sort of capturing audience, capturing more data about what's going on. Because if you look at kind of the traditional digital distribution options, it's a total closed system in terms of the data, in terms of access to the customers. And that kind of stuff is arguably even more valuable for a distributor than it is for an individual filmmaker because of the fact that the distributor is doing multiple films per month. And what kind of analytics are you providing and how is it helping them directly? Yeah, we have a detailed dashboard that shows kind of all the traffic and all the sales that you're selling through VHX in in real time, uh, as well as breaking it down by geography and breaking it down by refer. So you can see kind of like what sales are coming from email marketing versus Twitter versus YouTube and Facebook versus search traffic, direct traffic, the whole nine yards. And I think the idea is really that, um, especially if you're releasing, let's say like five movies a month, you know, if you find consistently through those releases that YouTube, like we've seen sort of network wide, is one of your strongest refers, you're gonna be investing a lot more time in, in building YouTube audience and marketing on YouTube. And so it allows you to make smarter decisions about what you're doing on sort of the, on the, the last leg of it in that marketing cycle. But I think the idea too is that if they found, you know, 
consistent attributes across all the stuff that's performing well online. That's going to inform sort of their distribution decisions and their buying decisions. And then uh, eventually that'll get rolled back into filmmakers too. And kind of by publicizing all this information and everything that we're learning, we're hoping that this enables everybody along the, in the process to make better decisions about what to do. You can see what you want to double down on and what you want to avoid. Yeah. And I think that for, uh, you know, like even for James and Lisanne from Indie Game the Movie, um, having had their project out in the market for a while, right? Like they had raised two Kickstarters and they had been doing a lot of internet marketing for a long time. Like they had a sense for the demand for the film and that they didn't necessarily need to bring in another partner in order to really reach their fans. And I think you could get the same kind of feedback in the other direction too. Like you could be doing your own marketing online and find that there's really like a, a lackluster response that you're not doing very well. And that's exactly the case when you'd want to be like looking for more help. So, you know, there's so many options to choose from, you know, when you're on the web. How you do market? Is it Twitter? Is it, are you creating co digital content? And you also even see, uh, like, BitTorrent's trying to offer services for filmmakers. Yeah, there's tons of ways of selling stuff online now, and I think it's, uh, it's certainly, uh, you know, a challenge for us just to continue to differentiate ourselves, but also, like, a challenge for filmmakers in terms of kind of picking the right platforms to use and picking the right way to like invest resources and you know even if somebody doesn't use our platform for whatever reason we are trying to make all that information available publicly like on our blog and on our knowledge base because I think that sort of lifting up the entire market is good for us in the long run too. Exactly and how can film fans show off their film movie collection in the digital world because you go to your like somebody's place and they're like check out these DVDs and you know, we're losing that. Yeah, uh, it's funny you ask. I was actually just looking at some prototypes of something like that that we're working on where um, we have tens of thousands of people who've, who've bought more than one movie from VHX already. And we work in this very distributed way where it's every seller sort of selling from their own store. But we're working on some stuff now where it actually ties it all together. And so you can see all your purchases in one place. You can see other people's purchases and profiles. Uh, ex exactly with that idea of sort of having like a collection and making the experience a lot more social. Um, I know I at least I'm personally like very curious like to get recommendations based on what my friends are watching and buying and liking rather than sort of just like what you know iTunes has put on the front page that day. And so we're working on a lot of stuff to kind of direct people towards that. Yeah, and when you meet somebody at a party, they're wearing like a Blade Runner t-shirt. You're like, oh my god, I love that movie. And you have that connection or someone's like, oh, look at this DVD I just bought. I wish there was a way on Facebook. It wasn't just a lie. It was what you bought and we know you watched. Yeah, and, and almost the problem with Facebook is that it's like it has everything in it, right? So it's got like listicles that I liked and cars that I like. And uh, well, we think the opportunity is really having sort of this that same sort of social experience, but geared specifically towards film and TV. Yeah, I think if you could connect uh, the serious fans to a place where they could show off movies that they spent money on and then they could discuss it it adds a lot of value i mean you look at it was a goodreads it's all wrapped around yep. books and there's comment sections that have like a thread that goes down like two like a 200 pages same crazy amount of uh discussions that you get off the site yeah and that's really amazing is having those deep communities of experts uh that are around you know specific subjects and in our case that's video you know and not just like free cat video but things that people have taken enough time and put enough energy into that they will actually want to sell it and discovering that stuff is also a huge pain in the butt like all the current options have you know slightly different inventories and different ways of working and there's a lot of vendor lock 
And we really want to create something that's like social throughout, that's cross-platform, it works everywhere, and that's open and available to anybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. This is Peter Katz. You can listen to more episodes at SoundCloud and iTunes.